Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imitating Jesus podcast hosted by Icon Ministries. We're really glad you decided to spend this next uh, 30 to 40 minutes with us. I'm excited about the direction we're going today. We are in the middle of a series called This is the Way We Roll, and today we're going to talk about the role of community in the disciple-making process. And we have a special guest, um, Rabbi Zach Michaels, is, is with us again today, and he's going to explain more to us about the role of the household and the family as the central sacred place. Uh, and we also have Louis Clark here today. We're so glad he was able to travel in all the way from his living room uh, to join <laughs> us today. Thanks, Louis. It's great to be here. Um, okay, so Louis, tell us a little bit about why we have Rabbi Zach with us and the unique perspective that he brings uh, to this topic and to, uh, to our spiritual community here. As we were working with Muslims who were coming to faith in Isa Jesus, one of their first questions to ask was, okay, so what do we do in the home? What do we, what do, we do in our families? Well, Christianity doesn't do things in the family per se. It's done at the church. We have children's ministry, we have youth ministries, and we really um, are focused in the building, in those ministries not necessarily in the home, and we really don't train the parents on how to train their parent children in the home. Uh, we often don't even disciple the parents. And, and so that was a real eye-opening experience for me when they started asking for that. And then uh, with the Jewish people, people's the same thing, is where they are centered in the home. And I said, Father, I, I just prayed to my Heavenly Father, help me get this and understand this and God graciously um, brought Zach Michaels into my life and for the next years after that of just learning what does it mean to have sacred the sacred place being in the home and um, in our last podcast we you know dove into that uh, a little bit more in that um, in really believing that the home is an optimal place for spiritual formation mm -hmm. of children. Mm -hmm. So last uh, time we talked a lot about um, the big the big picture of establishing the home as a sacred place. This week I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the specific practices and rhythms that occur within the home and how that creates the an environment for spiritual formation. So let's start with kind of the weekly rhythms uh, in Judaism, and from what I understand, there's there's certain prayers and there's the practice of the Sabbath that occur. Um, could you just tell us a little bit more about that, Rabbi Zach? What role does the Sabbath have in, in Jewish family and in Judaism? Sure, it would be my honor. Um, I would just like to mention one thing to both Ryan and Louie and to all of you. <clears throat> and that's that over years and years, this has been developing with, with our ministry with icon ministry and it has been extraordinarily difficult because you're bringing the unknown into the known and into that which is practiced in a certain way and then to say now hold on <laughs> we can sing this or we can eat this or we can say this at this time and we can pray this becomes as confusing as could be. Mm -hmm. 
And you've been really patient and gracious with us, Zach, as we're trying to understand these rhythms and, and implement them into our lives. It's been it's been a scary procedure, hmm. a scary time. And the only way I've been able to rationalize that is simply to say that all changes, all beginnings are difficult, and that Yeshua pushed forward. Paul certainly had quite an adventurous life trying to bring the love of Yeshua to Jews as well as then to Gentiles. So it was it's just difficult. Now, we're talking about weekly praxis. I don't want to go into much detail with that because it can be filled with various practices. But it is common that in the morning when you first get up and when you go to sleep at night, even that we teach children, my daughter at three years of age was singing, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm -hmm. And so that is done. We make a special effort to wash our hands before every meal. And when we wash them, I'm not referring to the hygienic part of washing your hands for cleanliness. I'm referring to washing as symbolizing the immersion of God's people. And even for baptism, it symbolizes all of that within purity and what it is to be pure to become pure through God. All right, so I think I'm going to leave that there and move into Shabbat. And Shabbat being the Hebrew word for Sabbath we say in English. Yes. Shabbat, Shabbat or Sabbath actually means a couple different major definitions. One is the common way to say it. It represents rest, a period of rest. However, it actually means that God ceased creation on the seventh day. There was no more creation. He brought Shabbat, and he didn't bring Shabbat for himself. He brought Shabbat for Adam and Eve and the future generations of human beings that lead up to now. Now that Shabbat represents God ceasing, but it also represents a period of blessing for the acts of creation that we all participated in during the week. When we can finally come in after the hard weeks that most of us have today in this very busy world, and we relax and we tell stories and we eat. And there are particular rituals that are beautiful, but the most major one is, first of all, the candles are lit by mom. And the Sabbath candles, which are at least two candles, some people have candelabras with many more, but those two candles are brought into mom's 
eyes. She covers her face and her eyes when she says the blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe. You've commanded us through your decrees, asking us to light the Sabbath candles. And then she says, But Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom, have a wonderful Sabbath. And she removes her hands, and there is the light, the brilliant light of Sabbath, which is obviously and very easy to see. I don't know if it's obvious, but it is easy to see that it's God's Spirit joining us at that moment. After that, it's followed by what's called the Kiddush, which is a blessing over the wine. And the blessing over the wine gives thanks for sweet things in our life, but it also makes a particular mention of the, the exodus from Egypt, which was God redeeming the Hebrews, which soon became the Israelites when they received the Torah, and it's a period of rest. Um, and and all this is is uh, oh, on Friday night. Like yes. this is the beginning. The sundown on Friday night is the beginning of of the Shabbat. Sure. Observation. We always okay. even here. We always have a white tablecloth on the table for the Sabbath with beautiful dinnerware and beautiful special wine cups called a Kiddush cup, which means, again, like holy, it means to separate. So this is something that's only used on Sabbath and festivals. And then following this, dad and mom bless the children, but this is preceded by the father blessing his wife with Proverbs 31, a woman of valor who can find. And he blesses his wife in front of the children. Parents have time alone, God willing, but this is a time when the children experience that love devotion, and commitment. Following that, they bless the children. And the children are blessed with predominantly Aaron's blessing, the priestly blessing that states, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's countenance shine upon you. And may God's face light upon you bringing you peace and love. The children hear that blessing. They'll hear it frequently in other places, but this is where in the house where it becomes the most intimate of experiences. And I do mean intimate. I've heard you say um, in the past that it's, uh, it's a holiday, that every week, you have a holiday, and that's Shabbat or the Sabbath day. Right, um, and, and, and at first look, it would be ridiculous because mom cooking all day, and then hopefully the daughter helping mom to bake challah, and the father 
preparing the table with the sons or daughters and bringing out uh, chinaware and like tablecloths, you know, everything that we need to make it a holiday. And, um, and that's different. We're commanded following that to rest. And the resting is a period of not working and not, if possible, driving. And imagine that, if possible, not using the cell phone or even the telephone on Shabbat. And some of our members of our group have actually begun practicing that. They just don't answer the phone on Shabbat, on the Sabbath. So let me ask let me ask Ryan this question. Like after Zach's influence and you know, you have two small children and uh, what what have been the rhythms or practices of with around Shabbat, around Sabbath in your home? Well, it really helped correct I think a misconception that I like rather I Zach I acknowledge like I I honestly I think I felt bad for Jewish people because I had to observe the Sabbath because it just all I saw was the restriction of it can't do this can't do that can't do this but realizing you know I think I've heard you say like well Ryan do you feel bad that you have to celebrate Christmas you know December 25th no I love Christmas I start celebrating Christmas it's June right now it'll be real soon It'll be real soon. I get my Christmas tunes going because I love it. And I love all that it represents. And that the Sabbath can be basically 52 little Christmases a year. We're acknowledging the spiritual reality that we're celebrating. And then how it incorporates my family into that. Um, uh, the teachings of John Mark Comer um, have been really helpful for our family in establishing what the Sabbath practices can look like. And just recognizing... I mean, you know, we have the Ten Commandments are obviously guidelines and standards for all of us, but for some reason we've kind of just scratched out one of them, put it in pencil and say, well, you know, if you can, then go for it. But make sure you don't kill, murder, destroy, covet, or commit adultery. Make sure we don't do those. And, you know, I've been sitting under John Mark Comer's teaching and, and a few other people and just seeing... How this is not um, something my family has to do. This is a gift that God has given to us. And so we, in our rhythms, we've just taken Sunday to be our day of Sabbath where we do four things. We stop, like we cease, like you said, that was the word. We rest our body, mind, and soul. Then we delight. We do things that give us life. And then the fourth thing is we worship as a, as a family. And so we've built little practices in our family that we uh, we don't drink uh, red wine with our kids, but we do have cinnamon rolls every Sunday morning and, and to remind ourselves to taste and see that God is good and that to be with him is, is sweet. And we light the candles to remind ourselves that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are with us and Christ is the light of the world and he pierced the darkness in creation and he pierced the darkness when he came in the form of a man to take our sins away on the cross. And then during the evening meal, we have a time of where we speak blessing and life to each other. All the, all these practices you're talking about are just markers for us to be able to say, this is what our family is all about. This is what our faith is all about. And this is how we share those together as our little unit of four. 
And, you know, our kids are little and they're not, I mean, they're, they're working on getting on board, but I'm just so thankful to be able to normalize, have a mechanism to normalize a lot of these practices and conversations and values in our family that we can just return to week after week after week after week. I've heard you, um, Zach, talk about um, the connection and the importance of Shabbat with connection. And so kind of walk us through with, you know, with creation, with God, with one another, and the role that that plays in connection. You know, as we mentioned just a few moments ago, God created the heavens and the earth and all the life thereupon, and the waters of the sea, and rain, and creation. And he created man, and then from man, he created woman. That immediately established something that at first was idyllic, but soon became, as we know, filled with both good and difficult times. And that is recognized as a relationship. And so the relationships that we develop are times on the Sabbath in particular where family members are invited to the home, friends are invited to the home, and especially people that are strangers are invited to the home. I always like to tell the joke very quickly that and it's not a joke, but it's, it's, it's humorous to me, is that if somebody is in Israel, in Jerusalem, and they're walking on the streets of Jerusalem as it grows time, as near the Sabbath beginning, that some older grandmother or aunt or a mom is going to look at you and say, do you have a place to eat for Shabbat for the Sabbath? No, I'm sorry. I, I was just walking. I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I'm a stranger. And she pulls him in, sits down, and you're a member of our family right now. So that's another aspect of this. And of course, the relationship with God continues during the Sabbath to see that love and divinity in each other's eyes. Singing is a major part. And people sing all sorts of songs. We sing one frequently ourselves that just thanks God for the Sabbath and a Sabbath of peace that we ought to have love because it's love that is the reason that God gave the Sabbath because what good would life have been if we worked seven days a week? And unfortunately, haha, many of us have to work seven days a week. So we bless that. We truly bless that. And people are amazed by that when they join with us. So what you're talking about here is hospitality is a vital piece of the Jewish home and ties into Shabbat. Abraham, our great first patriarch, when he was suffering from having just circumcised himself, which is so hard to imagine, mm -hmm. that his home, which was a tent, 
was open on all four sides and people were it was open for people to join him and indeed the two messengers that are sent from the lord joined them and abraham without realizing what was going on invited them and told sarah please we have to cook a special meal for these people and it's interesting a very middle eastern attitude as even with arab families how much they relish bringing people that they may not even know into their home and and cooking special things for them so it's all under god and i'll leave that at that for the moment so help help me help us bring this um down to the molecular level here imagine i'm listening to this my family you know we go to church on sundays but that's really all we kind of do to mark the sabbath or to mark the lord's day what do you feel like is just a starting point or something small that i can do with my family to begin to establish the rhythms and the values of observing sabbath together well first of all are the objects and that unfortunately has been in history a time when people could say oh jews are practicing all these things it's all you know in a way legalistic but that's not what's happening these are objects that are eaten that are drunk that are um, touched that are passed around to each other and that is then followed by again prayer and worship at the end of the meal there's a there's a, a, a set of prayers called the grace after meals and again even though in the blessing over the wine there's a huge mention about the exodus from egypt and god's redemption it's talked about over and over again during this grace after meals because of giving thanks to god for redemption redemption is key to this and helping our children to come to know that they are redeemed and can practice redemption in their lives by practicing love in relationships by practicing cooking a special meal by inviting people into their home with what's called in hebrew hachnasat or theme which means hospitality of guests and what could be more delicious than that yeah yeah we that's we have friends who part of their sabbath keeping practices oftentimes they'll invite a friend over either for a meal or for an afternoon snack and just have that friend kind of just tell their story of how they came to faith and, and who god is to them and their children sit and weekly hear stories from their brothers and sisters of of their just great love for God. And I think that's tremendous because it just builds that story, that narrative that we're telling our kids you are a part of something a lot bigger than what you see. It reminds me of the Lord's Supper, and you do this in remembrance of mm -hmm. Jesus, of Yeshua. And in a similar way, I think, you know, you've told me in the past how you are connecting the children and one another back to God, connecting to the story of God, to the people of God and this meal and these symbols are just all part of that. And I think those of us who are Gentiles can understand that because 
the that's what the Lord's Supper is. It's mm-hmm. symbols that remind us, and and the symbols of the Shabbat table and Shabbat meal. And I, I you know I think a starting point is just doing a meal that's focusing on remembering God. You know, remembering the story of God and remembering that He is a God of redemption. He as He delivered. Uh, Israel from Egypt, and as uh, Jesus redeemed us. It's so critical to understand that the Jewish community for all these centuries and through the millennia, practicing the Sabbath, were able to um, practice community and they were able to create relationships. They were able to practice like everybody else practiced. For instance, we start the Shabbat at eventide, and we all can look at a Jewish calendar, and it'll give you the exact time mm-hmm. where night begins mm-hmm. and where night then be- begins at the end of the Shabbat on Saturday evening. Some of us practice Shabbat on Friday night. Some of us practice Shabbat throughout the 24 hours from Friday evening to Saturday, and other people practice it on Sunday. It's about time. It's not about when we do that, especially when we're used to practicing different things in our cultures. Mm -hmm. But when I first read soon after become a, becoming a believer, a Jewish believer asked me to read, of all people, Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards, as the truly amazing pastor and Puritan, was able to practice Sabbath every week and taught his children and his wife about Shabbat in their home. And that's, you know, the question is, where did that go? Where does that go when in the book of Genesis, it says very clearly that you shall observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that means it says for everyone, for all people to celebrate the Sabbath because of God's creation stopping on the sixth day and then to rest and be with each other. Also, people could study. Again, they could argue and have all sorts of discussions, and sometimes kids go out, as we've done in past days, playing ball with each other in the backyard and goofing around and having a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. So again, like Passover, the the Shabbat is about fun. Yeah. It's about fun and celebration. Yeah, delighting. So, okay, the Sabbath is a great weekly rhythm and some of the prayers and blessings that you told us about. We also see in the Jewish calendar built in are some annual festivals, holidays, celebrations. Um, What do you think would be helpful for the average modern-day Christian in the West for us to adopt or to consider or to understand about these, these holidays and festivals? What is um, 
Yeah, just tell the, us about the, some of the significance of those sure. festivals and holidays. The first festivals, which are considered the beginning of the year, the new year, which is September, October time. It differs according to the year. The Jewish community observes what's called Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year, the new year. And it's practiced as a time not of fun and partying, but truly beginning a time which is considered 10 days. That's 10 days between Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and Yom Kippur, which means the Day of Atonement, where we reflect on what we've done correctly and what we've done in a very impoverished way. Call it sin, call it being imperfect and becoming aware of that imperfection. And so another amazing way to call it is something that we don't say very often is repentance, which means to return to God. And so that 10 day period is a time where we are hopefully returning to the Lord, even though it's the same thing is mentioned on Shabbat and every holiday on the Sabbath and in so many of our daily events. But those two festivals are picked out. And actually in Jewish tradition, God has figured out during the coming year who's going to live and who's going to die. And the one thing we all know is that we have absolutely no control over our mortality. So it becomes another time for self-reflection and reflection with the family. Following that, simply a week later, so it's several festivals in a short period of time, we observe a holiday called Sukkot, which means the Feast of Booths, or the Festival of the Tabernacles, which is... In other words, a time when Jews, well, it probably looks a little bit like Abraham had his tent, but build huts in their backyards. In Israel or New York City, every balcony of the Jewish community is filled with people building their own little sukkahs and they're small on the balcony. But that's okay because people eat outside during that period of time if it's not too cold, <laughs> but also people pray mm -hmm. together and they remember together in a very special custom all of or as many patriarchs and matriarchs and Moses and Jewish figures throughout history and it's as if those people are visiting us in the sukkah at that time because the roof is open to the stars and God has brought those people to us. And when some of us have built the sukkah, the hut, and it's decorated with pumpkins, it's a harvest festival with pumpkins and grapes and popcorn strung along the ceiling and corn husks and um, gourds all to practice that harvest festival which is a part of Sukkot and at the same time it's being aware of our connection with God by having a roof that's open to the heavens 
And I'm reminded, again, as you tell, retell these stories of how each of these holidays is children-centered, that you're thinking the Jewish mind begins with the children first, and why are we doing this is for the children. Right. I mean, it's the children who are, I, you know, Saint Louis is mentioning this, but I take it so for granted that I didn't even say it, but the children are the ones that are building the sukkah with the parents. They're stringing the popcorn. They're stringing cranberries. They're right. They're drawing pictures. And sometimes we've had the most beautiful pictures drawn by some of our kids about how they think about this festival. And so they also are taught about a special duo, I'll call it, two vegetables or plants, one being what's called the lulav, which is the palm branch with a myrtle and a willow that are tied together. And then there's this most gorgeous, what looks like a lemon. And Louis, the first time we bought one together to celebrate the holiday, we bought this lemon that cost $50. <laughs> Which I and, didn't understand uh, I at all. And it's like, what one. is going on here, Ed? And I said that, and I said that, Look at the bottom. There's a little stem, which was where the flower is. And they're so holy that if that stem breaks off, that fruit is no longer usable. So what's the fruit? It's actually called a citron. In Hebrew, it's called the etrog. It was used in the temple where people waved this lulav, this branch, back and forth, just as if the palm branches were thrown into the street welcoming Yeshua as he came into Jerusalem. So that harvest, those plants are incredibly special in our hearts and our souls. So the two are brought together, both the etrog, the citron, which has the most gorgeous smell. Lemons smell good, but this smells exotic. And you hold it with the lulav, and they're shaken by every person who's there individually in all four directions of our world, as well as up to God and down to our earth, to our globe, to our thanksgiving for this suit coat. One of the things, uh, Ed, again, that you've taught us is, oh, um, is the... Uh, the belonging piece and how even in the Sukkot, how part of the Sarah is a week long, but part of it is mom tells about child about her background to the children for three generations, is it right? Right. And then dad tells the children about his family lineage back three generations. Again, so the children know to where they belong. Yeah, I was um first time I told Louie my Hebrew name, I stated three generations back, and again, the whole group was just fascinated. Hmm. When I said my name is so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so, with both, with the same name of the person who's young, and then down the line 
to other generations. And that sure is a, a practice. Mm -hmm. One other part of this that I want to mention is that all of these things, even with the fun and the jocularity and the praxis, the practice, there's a, it's all done in a spirit of humility where we all realize that we are mortal, that we're small, a small part of this world, but that we hope through our observance of these festivals and the Sabbath and our birthdays and the bar mitzvah and the wedding, etc., etc., that that humility that will experience and produce a better world mm -hmm. will fix our world, it's called, to repair the world. Thanks, Zach, for sharing. And uh, we'll obviously, there's more things we need to unpack in future podcasts, but uh, just thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I'm doing a podcast in my life, having done sermons for many years and led services for many years as a rabbi. But I never had the, uh, the occasion to have a podcast. And so, um, so an old dog's learning new tricks. Yeah. And we promise to give you uh, 50% of everything we make off of this one. How about 80%? Deal? Deal. Deal. Because the math is the same. Just letting you know that. Right. All right. Well, yeah. Rabbi Zach, Louie, love you guys. Thank you for sharing your time and your heart and your devotion with us. Thank you all for listening uh, to today's podcast on the role of community in the disciple making process as we've specifically looked at some of the practices within Judaism and the people of God and how our households can become the sacred place and the center of our spiritual formation. Uh, please head over to iconministries.org to connect with us or access other articles and videos on making disciples. We are a faith-based ministry relying on the gifts of God's people. If you'd like to give towards the support of this ministry, you can click on the donate button at our, at our website at iconministries.org. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>